You're now listening to Adulting with Vicky. It's a coming-of-age podcast about millennials navigating adulthood. I'll talk about anything from life after college to bridging generational gaps, social media, and most importantly, being your best self. Join me, Vicky Wynn, as I figure out how to be an adult. What's up, guys? Before we jump into this week's topic on adulting with Vicky, I want to give a huge thank you to FemiKit for sponsoring this episode. I want to ask you guys, how many times do you think about the plastic you use every day? Whether it crosses your mind often or not at all, our choices impact the earth and other people more than we realize, and it's up to us to make smart buying decisions. FemiKit teaches you how to do that through zero waste, one step at a time. You can live happier and healthier through their environmentally friendly and ethical products, guaranteed. For more info, check out their website and get your own zero waste kit at femikit.com. That's F-E-M-I-K-I-T dot com. Now, let's get into this week's episode. So, so far on this podcast, I've talked about a lot of different subjects from bridging cultural gaps and age gaps with your parents, things about finding what your passion is. And a lot of the times, the adulting stories that I've talked about so far are related to people similar to myself, where we went to a four-year undergrad program and later on went to go find a job. What I want to do with Adulting with Vicky is to share more stories from people who have different walks of life. And so one of the people that I really thought of when I wanted to do this was my friend Jessica Yu. And she has actually been in my life since we were about six or seven years old. And I've seen her throughout her journey, and I'm just so proud of where she is. And I think the resilience that she has had throughout her life makes her such a special person. So I'm so, so excited to introduce Jessica Yu to all you guys. Hi, everyone. Hey, okay, so Jessica, can you tell the guests a little bit about yourself? All right, well, okay, so my name is Jessica Yu. I grew up here in Fremont, California with Vicky. We actually went to the same elementary school and junior high school. After high school, I moved to Sacramento, and I went to Sacramento State, and I stayed there for four years, and now I live back here in Fremont with my family, and I work here in Fremont as well. So what are you doing for work right now? I am doing office work at a uh, private building maintenance company here in Fremont, and I also am interning at the College of Alameda. I've been doing that for uh, since the beginning of the year, and I basically help like the internship coordinator there and also help uh, the students with disabilities there as well. That's awesome. With helping with the students with disabilities, that have any tie to kind of the way that you grew up? Yeah, so the one of the biggest parts of my identity as a person is my disability. It's hard to really talk about it a lot because a lot of people don't really understand it. And I also don't like it to be a part of me, but it really does shape how I grew up. When I was three years old, my parents realized I have a pretty bad vision loss that I went to doctors for and they just gave me glasses but it wasn't until first grade that my first grade teacher realized that I wasn't you know keeping up in class that well so she was the one that I made me consult with the school counselors and had me go to different doctors and that's when I realized I was legally blind and I had retinitis pigmentosa but that was my diagnosis until a few years ago when I saw another retinal specialist at Stanford who basically cleared up all the information with all the new like technology and all the new research and found out that I actually have Leber's congenital amaurosis, which is basically early onset retinitis pigmentosa. 
my disability basically just goes around my vision. So I have very bad vision loss in both of my eyes. I can't read textbooks or menus, street signs. I can't drive. I walk around with my guide dog, Wit. So he helps me navigate because I bump into everything. So surrounding your disability and being visually impaired, what are the correct terms that people should be using when they're talking about this? There are no real correct terms for, you know, your the function of your vision. Mm-hmm. So uh, when people say they're legally blind, that's more of a term used to in order for like to get benefits from like the state or the government for accommodations. Mm-hmm. And that legal definition is basically having a visual acuity of 20 over 200 or worse. Uh-huh. And that is with corrected vision. The term that I mainly use is visually impaired, Mm -hmm. just because when I try to tell people that I am legally blind, which I would prefer to say because my vision loss is basically closer towards no vision than any vision, but I use that term so people can understand that I can still see a little bit, but not that much. So I still probably retain about 5 to 10% of my vision, and within the next, you know, decades or whatever, my vision will soon deteriorate even more so as I grew up my vision has gotten worse so I had to kind of adapt and deal with it Mm -hmm. it was when I was in college when I realized that my vision was getting you know pretty bad that you know I was bumping into a bunch of things I wasn't able to you know see things that I used to before back in high school yeah and so this was in 20... 2014, when I signed up for Guide Dogs for the Blind, it was because, you know, I just really thought that having a guide dog would really improve my lifestyle and, like, make me more independent, which it really did. But what's more amazing is that having a guide dog just changed my my total outlook on everything. Like, you know, knowing me, I used to be extremely shy because like I didn't like, like I used to be bullied a lot and people picked on me. So I just was very closed off and I was in denial. I most of the time tried to pretend that I could see when mm-hmm. I couldn't. Oh no. Yeah. So, and that created just so many problems with just myself, you yeah. know, like it came to the point where, you know, I would pretend that I'm reading a book, even though I can't read the book because I can't see the book. Just so people would, you know, look at me and think that, you know, I was normal because they, you know, growing up, all I wanted to do is be normal. Having a disability, you really feel excluded a lot with your friends, even yeah. your family, in class, like in college, at work. It's it's really difficult. But when I got wit, it got me to accept myself more. Like, I love that. Yeah, like, you know, who cares if you're blind? You have a dog. Yeah, and... Wit, like, I'm sure he's improved your life in so many ways. Like, not just helping you, guiding you, but the emotional support, too. I know how much animals, you know, yes. I have Ollie. Just, they bring so much light to our life. They do. And so for you, I know you mentioned about how having Wit helped you feel independent. And so how was that drastic change? Like, what things could you not do before that now with Wit you feel confident and empowered to do? Um... 
I feel like I was still able to do the things I used to do. I just, I was just able to hold myself up better, be able to look up instead of looking down at the ground, you know, being more positive, not being shy, just being more confident. And that actually really helps. Like, for myself makes me happier, you know, having him around, having him guide me around, not having to worry about asking people for help and people denying to help me because they want to make jokes about me. People really did that to you? Oh, yes. A big thing that you realize when you have like a disability is that a lot of people don't have common sense or they're just really rude or they try to joke or they're just really mean. Like you'll tell someone that you're visually impaired and you have problems seeing and then they'll ask like, oh, so you know sign language or they'll talk to you like, are you okay? And it's like a completely different thing that they're basing it off of. Yeah. You're telling them you're visually impaired not yeah yes and it's really frustrating and that really you know belittles me yeah as a person because it's really hard trying it's hard enough trying to explain myself to someone like if I'm at the store and I'm like hey I'm trying to look for this specific thing can you help me you know and then they'll just wonder why you need help even with wit you know they just think I'm training him because I don't typically look like a blind person so uh, that's a really big comment that I get all the time, which is really dumb. You just don't, you don't look blind, you know? Like, you don't look blind, so I don't believe you, or you don't need help. I had people cuss at me, threaten me, that they're going to call the police on me, that it's fucked up to, you know, try to be a, a disabled person when you're yeah. not disabled when I am. And there are a lot of people out there, and I get that pretty, pretty often. That's terrible. I mean... I, I can't even begin to imagine how that must feel because for you, like you mentioned earlier, you don't want it to be something that defines you, but at the same time, it's something really important about you. Mm-hmm. And so even though it could be a hard thing to talk about, the fact that you feel like you have to justify your needs because of your disability and then people don't believe you and then you have to say, I really am, and that's not something that you want to have to do. No, it's it's completely degrading. It's something you don't have like I shouldn't have to explain myself to you it's really personal and why do I need to tell you why it makes you think that you know you're my doctor yeah or you're are the police officer yeah or something like that so that's something I get a lot um a lot of people also think that wit is like a fake service dog as well which is also probably like the worst a lot of well, I, what I go through, what people say to me, like, mm-hmm. I can pretty much put it in a box and put it away. That's something I learned how to do. Yeah. But once someone, you know, makes a really, you know, snark comment about my guide dog, yeah, I just want to punch him. Yeah, of course, because he does so much for you and you love him so much. And do you see or think that it affects weight when he hears those things? I don't think he, like, knows typically, but I feel like if he feels that I'm really upset about it, that I feel like he might know as well. So another thing that I was curious about is because a lot of the times when we're dealing with tough life situations or adversity, it's a really good chance for us to grow as a person. And so for you, when you started kind of navigating like your childhood to adolescence and right now as an adult, like how do you think that shaped you? Do you think it like made you stronger or helped you mature earlier or anything? Definitely matured me a lot and um, taught me so much about people and about myself. 
people with disabilities, like, we take a lot of L's, like, so many losses, and it humbles us, Mm -hmm. and we learn from them. Like, navigating through my life with a disability, it's so normal to me, but when I actually look back at it, and I kind of compare myself to other people, or, which I kind of do a lot, like, imagining, like, situations over and over again, I feel like at a very young age, I've learned how to be more organized and really good at time managing just because you have to be. When you're blind, you don't get the luxury of, you know, driving or being able to, you know, function normally. It's a really big deficit. It's a really, you know, big thing to have to lose compared to, you know, other certain things. Like losing your sight is definitely, I would not wish upon it to anybody. But it's just, you just have to adjust. Yeah, and I think people take it for granted, too. Oh, yes. I just I just wish that, you know, I can just drive. That would just be, that's all I want. <laughs> uh, everything else is really not a big deal. Like, I've learned how to navigate my life as I am, and I'm really comfortable with it. But it does, you know, teach, it just teaches me so much. For example, like, when I say it humbles you, like, Like I said, you realize that what you don't have, and so you look at other things, and you're just so grateful for everything else. That you do have. Exactly. So it's like, you're just grateful for your friends and your family, and thankful that you have, you know, counselors, and there's so many resources out there to help you. Like in college, you know, because of my disability, I had assistance, you know, paying for my tuitions, paying for my books, paying for my equipment. And it's a lot of equipment. Yeah. Like, you know, I used to use like, you know, large print books and magnifiers and computer systems and applications that help people with disabilities, you know, work and go to school. Yeah. You know, in school as well, like you just, you just got to be on top of, on top of your game because no matter what like what I believe is that no matter what someone with like normal capacity vision could do someone who is blind it takes it's twice even you know thrice like three times as hard we have to you know try just to you know succeed for example like in class and I'm in a classroom where you're sitting with about like 80 other people, you don't have that one-on-one with the professor to ask questions and you can. You can't see the board. Yeah. You can't read your, you know, your book or the handout that they give you because the professor forgets to freaking send you it or you don't have what you have. And so you spend that time in class where everyone else is learning and then you have to spend extra hours after class just to catch up. And you're constantly trying to catch up, catch up, catch up to everyone else. And it's just a game that you just get used to doing. You know, school was honestly not that bad. It was it was real good. Minus the part of, you know, having a disability does make it a, a bit more difficult with all the accommodations that you have to do. But once you get it down, you got it down. That's good. Mm-hmm. Like, based on all the things that I've seen, like, during your college journey and everything, it sounds like you had such a great support system in college. So when you graduated, did you still have that sense of support and community that you had on campus, or has that changed since now you're, quote, unquote, in the real world? Oh, compared to the real world, oh, in a way, I feel less than I was in college because, you know, when I went to Sacramento, 
I was more independent on my own. But mm-hmm. now that I'm back here in Fremont, I live with my family where my family's, you know, kind of controlling. They want to do things for me. And it's kind of pretty, it's not a, Fremont's not really an accessible place. Yeah. In terms of like public transportation and, you know, just getting around. Yeah. So I do need more extra help here. And when it comes to after graduated from college, when I started looking for jobs, I found it extremely difficult because there's just so much more that comes into play when it comes to where do you want to work? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, I can't work. You know, we're here in the Silicon Valley. We're here in Fremont. There's no way I can work anywhere in Palo Alto or, so, you know, Mountain View because I don't drive. Yeah. You know, and even certain parts of San Francisco, if it's not accessible by bar or bus, like if it takes like three hours to get there by public transportation, that's, you know, out of the question too. Yeah, makes sense. So you really have to, there's just so much more that you have to think about. Yeah, I mean, being in a college town like Sacramento, Davis, for me, Riverside, like everything is designed to be convenient because there's a college campus. But Mm -hmm. for Fremont, we don't have any big colleges. We do have community colleges, but... Know, the transportation system isn't going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not as many shuttles or anything. Right, like, right um, when I was at Sakana, I said, like, you know, right there by campus, right by a bus stop that can take you to the mall, take me downtown, mm-hmm. sack, take me to Midtown, go basically anywhere I wanted to. So when you started finding jobs and actually interviewing for jobs, what were some important things that you were looking at other than how far it was? Well, for myself, it was really hard, you know, coming into, um, you know, the the workforce just because of the competition out there and, you know, a lot of places like I would interview for, but then I wouldn't get a call back. There's just, you know, better people out there. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people our age are understanding that the qualifications they need for a certain job with like a very, you know, like all these different requirements and experience, you know, we're 20, we're 23 years old and people don't want to hire us. We're overqualified for certain jobs as well. So then when you found the job that you're currently in, how was that transition from being a student to being a worker? It was good. Well, after I graduated, I took a year off just to kind of, you know, hang out by myself. And also I went into a couple programs that help people who are blind go into work. Oh. So I like the Lighthouse for the Blind and mm-hmm. also my job developer who I also work with still. It's tough because even after college, you still have to learn how to work as a blind person. And it's kind of, you know, discouraging because out of all the people in the United States who are blind, legally blind, considered to be blind, only 20% of them actually work. And you're in that 20%. I consider myself in that 20%, but I'm not full on working yet. Like this is, I'm actually just working my first job. That's why it's pretty easy for me. I'm just doing, you know, office work. I work up the phones, work on the computers, updating a bunch of stuff. So it's pretty easy for me I'm just kind of working myself up to get the experience to actually get into you know my big big girl job got it like a full-time benefits yeah type of nine to five thing mm-hmm. so what is something that you would want to do well I am looking towards you know social services oh got it yeah I want to help people <laughs> <laughs> I like you know I've been in nonprofit settings a lot volunteering and uh, interning for them and it's just super great I really like that so I want to work with people and help people in any way really if it's children 
women, people with disabilities, you know, the elderly, just, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, especially when you yourself go through some difficult things and you learn to appreciate everybody who's in your life, you want to be that change for someone else too. Mm -hmm. Is that what it is for you? It is. Like, I want to, like, my story, my life, I just want to, you know, help other people. Even with a lot of my blind friends or my friends with disabilities, I try my best to support them and give them advice and just cheer them up because a lot of the time it's really discouraging to them because I have so many friends who aren't able to find jobs, you know, because of whatever barriers there are. And, you know, discrimination is probably a huge part of it, which is always a really big hit, you know? Yeah, I mean, definitely, because it's like, if people are judging you based off of your disability, they don't know how much potential you have. Like, yes, it may take you a little bit longer to understand some things that generally people with good vision can read, but they don't know that you might be also willing to work two times harder or three times harder. Yeah, like, of course, everyone has their bias, and because there's not a lot of people with disabilities working, a lot of companies or a lot of hiring managers don't see that potential. But you know that you do have a lot of potential. Oh, I hope I do. No, you do. <laughs> Thank like, you. I mean, like, just hearing your story, it's like, I really want you to know and, like, other people to know that, like, you should be really proud of where you are right now. Like, I can't imagine going through, like, childhood and, like, teenagers and everything like that, being visually impaired and especially, you know, all these things aren't in your control. Mm -hmm. And at least for me, I know that I struggle with anxiety and depression related to you know, not having that sense of control and that goes deeper into my personal history. So for you not having that control, like how did you get to the point where you were able to cope with it and see positively? Um, honestly, when I got wet. Yeah. When I got him in 2015, like he really just changed what I saw. Like I used to deal with, you know, depression myself and anxiety and mm -hmm. I was really didn't like being around people, always really shy, always wanted to cry, you know, always extremely embarrassed worrying what everyone else thought about me. But, um, you know, once I got wet, I feel like he just hmm, made me super happy. <laughs> like I had all this denial, all this pent up, you know, thoughts, all these really negative thoughts about myself. Yeah. And you see like this dog with this pure face who's just there to help you out and he's just 100% for you unconditional love like it makes me it made me realize that who cares what other people think yeah who cares like the people who want to be around you will be around you exactly yeah the people who you know are just judging you they don't matter at all yeah it's kind of like the thing it's like those who care don't matter and those who matter don't care Yes. Dealing with a disability also, you know, is really similar to dealing with mental illness when it comes to, you know, like society. No one really likes talking about mental illnesses and disabilities. It's sad. Yeah. It's really sad and no one wants to, you know, talk about it. It's not normalized and people talk down on it. And so with people with mental illness, I feel like, as well as, you know, with me, we try to hide it all, mm -hmm. which is really, I found to be pretty dangerous, you know, left alone to your own, you know, negative thoughts about yourself is really unhealthy. It's really toxic. Yeah. So, what actually helped me bloom out 
more like I was more with a guide dog people more willing to you know talk to me you know as like an icebreaker yeah and then people you know ask questions and then they'll be really friendly you know yeah I mean having wit sounds like it also started the conversation oh yeah because like you mentioned before it's like some people would say that you don't look like someone who's blind which is a terrible thing to say in the first place Mm -hmm. but the fact that you have wit it's kind of like is that a conversation you're comfortable with starting with strangers? Yeah, uh, mainly it starts like, oh, like, your dog's real cute. Or, what's your dog's name? Or, like, what does he do? It mainly goes like, are you training him? And I say, no, I'm actually legally blind. And they'll be like, what? And then they'll be like, because you don't look blind. But those type of people are different from, you know, the other people in the store that don't want to help me because they're just like, oh, you need blind, fine, whatever. Yeah. They're, they're actually curious and I feel like, me educating them actually helps them, you know, give them a different perspective. And I feel like it helps them, helps me, and hopefully when they, the next time they see someone who's visually impaired or blind or have a disability, have a different view on them. And it's like, thank you so much for going on to podcast episode. Like, I really wanted to talk to you about this because I feel like so many people could appreciate the wisdom that you have from everything that you've gone through. Because it takes a strong-ass person to get through what you have and not just get through it but bloom and grow from it is there any advice that you want to give anyone who has a disability or somebody who has a mental illness or anything that feels like a barrier to them my advice would be to just make a lot of friends you know just try put yourself out there I know it's really hard. It was really hard for myself as well, but having that support system and also talking to people with, you know, similar issues as yourself. Like I have my own group of friends that are visually impaired and blind, you know, and they, they understand me, like my problems more than I could if I talk to my dad or, you know, talk to you about it because Mm -hmm. they lived it. Yeah. And so we could, you know, give each other advice and, It's just, you know, having a good support system and having friends, it really helps. Like, just boost your self-esteem. Have those, you know, having people tell you that, like, oh, you have wisdom and, you know, you are great and I am so proud of you. Like, it really helps. Yeah, it's just that whole sense of community and support. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who cares what everyone else thinks? If they have anything negative to say about you, then you you don't listen to them. Yeah, exactly. They got their own issues, you know? Like, That's true. A lot of people project their own insecurities and stuff onto other people. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been Adulting with Vicky. I'm your host, Vicky Wynn, and I have my guest, Jessica Yu. If you guys want to stay updated with everything, go ahead and visit my website, victoriadnguyen.com. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that episode of Adulting with Vicky. Audio engineering by Rogelio Aranador. Intro remix courtesy of Shadow. Find him at lshadow, S-H-D-W on Instagram. And feel free to contact me at hello.victoriadnguyen at gmail.com. Tune in next week, guys. Bye.